if you were here last Sunday, uh, we started off a new series titled Keep the Change. Man, I'm going to have to wind you guys up. I I get it. I get it. I'm still, I don't even know where I'm at on the iPad and whatever. We'll, we'll see how we can get through this. Um, but we were talking about this new series and it was the first Sunday of the year. And I know that when a new year starts, we start writing down resolutions. We either want to lose weight. It's like the top five things, right? We want to purchase something big. Uh, some of us want to get closer to God. What is it? Be a better father. Tell me a few. Be a better husband. What else? Make more money. Make, <laughs> make more money. What else? Save. Everyone wants to save. But there's always sales, right? <laughs> that Uber Eats, man, I tell you, the devil is alive. Um, and, but we make resolutions, right? And we, we all long for change. But I don't know if it happens to you, and I was saying that last week, that change kind of changes. <laughs> like, we don't stick through it. We don't see things through. We, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he, he goes to the gym, and he's like, the first week, Will, I couldn't find pa parking. He says, it's crazy, because I will circle around to find, this is, what cra this is what's crazy, this is what he told me. He says, you will circle around to find parking right in front to go and work out. You get that? Like, you don't want to park far to walk when you're going to go work out and walk. He's like, like that, that seems dumb. But he's like, the first week he was trying to find parking, it was there's no parking at the gym. He said that this week was a little better. It was like, it was like people's, you know, desire starts wearing off after a few days. And we're talking about making progress that sticks. And, you know, I really believe that for m many of us, and not, if not all of us, what we truly long for is a change that sticks. Like, not only with you, but with your spouse, with your children. Like, I tell my boys, yeah, I want you to behave today, but I want you to behave tomorrow. And the day after, and the day after that. You know, at the end of the day or in the morning, they want a reward for doing things that they were supposed to do. Like, Michael would come, puppy, I flush the toilet. I'm like, what do you want, a medal? Like, this is what you're supposed to do. Oh, yeah, but can I get some money? I'm like, no. So we, we all long for permanent change, right? And I said last week that it may be that the change that you need is not the change that you want. And we were looking at the story of uh, the lame man that was sitting by the beautiful gate. Truly crazy contradiction of uh, him having an ugly condition yet sitting at a beautiful gate. And we were talking about him just being there and asking uh, Peter and John for some spare change, right? And Peter and John were like, well, we don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. And in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And I was saying last week that most of us don't ask for something different because we don't have language to that. Which is the side is going to back me up on this one? This side? Okay, let me go to this side. The Bible says that this man was lame from birth, right? So when he saw Peter and John, the only thing he could ask for was for some spare change. He didn't ask for healing because he didn't have language for healing because all he knew his entire life was being lame. And I think that many of us have been lame for so long 
that we don't believe that something different is available. So when we come face, if the Lord asks you today, hey, I can grant, like if he was a genie in a Bible, I can grant your biggest desire. Would it be something that changes you or would it be something that changes the world? Would it be something that affects your generations? Would it be something that affects your lineage? Because we see change from a superficial standpoint. And I was saying last week that change can be tricky because typically change comes to fulfill a need that only Jesus can. And I'll, I'll explain that. For example, you can say, hey, listen, I'm obsessed with food. I'm overweight. But then you lose the weight and, and you become obsessed with your body. And now you're, you're taking 77 selfies at the gym, but you went from one vice to the other vice. You got in shape. You're healthy, but are you better? Does that make sense? So we, 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 we view change from a very superficial standpoint. Some of us are saying, like Denise in the list, I want to make more money. But could it be that you don't need more money, you just need to be a better steward? That's not what I want to So So we think, we think superficially. So we say, if I have more money, I'll be able to do more. But what happens is that if you have more money, you're going to spend more. Because the real need, what you're not asking for, is, Lord, allow me to be a good steward. Is that resonating for somebody? Some of us think geographically. Some of us think, if I move to Orlando, if I move to Tampa, if I change church, if I go to another church. And I said last Sunday, what we forget is that you're taking you with you. So wherever you go is going to be the same you. Either it's in Tampa, New York, or it's, you're taking you with you. So we view change so superficially. And the reason we do that is because we aim too low. Remember that? This guy was aiming for spare change when God wanted to give him change that made sense. <laughs> wanted to give him change that now he can get a job, he can support himself, and he doesn't need to ask for money. See, but... Unless the Lord opens our eyes, we will always be asking for spare change. When the Lord wants to give us, the Bible says that he can give you more than whatever you can ask or even think. In other words, he can truly blow your mind. <clears throat> Literally, he can go above and beyond the things that you don't have language for. And sometimes people, I got to confess, is generational. Sometimes you come from a generation that this is who we are, this is what we do, we stay in our lane, and, and the Lord is like, that's it, spare change? I want those legs to walk. I want you to be the giver. I want you to bless people. And you're like, nah, you can keep me here at the beautiful gate with an ugly condition asking for change. And somebody has to bring me tomorrow, and somebody has to bring me the day after. Because I am depending solely on that spare change. And if we want change that lasts or making that progress that sticks, I think that we need to frame our prayers differently. I always ask the congregation, and this is something that I will always ask you. When was the last time you thought about the things that you're thinking about? Like, if you do an evaluation, what kind of things keep you up at night? Is it things? Is it destiny? Is it purpose? 
Or is it, man, I need to apply for another job. I, the spare change. I need my husband to be this, and I need him to buy me this, or uh, I need to do this. And the Lord is like, man, it's so much deeper than what you could see <laughs> that unless you, you take off the blindfolds and you're able to see exactly what I want to do, that change won't last. And the reason the change didn't last is because the Bible says that they would take him every day. So that little spare change he got only kept them through the day. He needed to go back the next day, not even go back, be taken the next day because he couldn't walk to rely on that. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to rely on just some daily spare change in my Christian walk. I want God to make me whole, to fix my legs so I don't need to stand in the beautiful gate asking for money. And today, um, I'm, I'm diving into part two, and today we're going to talk a little bit about James. And uh, James in Scripture was Jesus' half-brother. And can you imagine the pressure that it is, or that it was, to be Jesus' half-brother? I mean, I can imagine that it got old, the, why can't you be more like Jesus? <laughs> Or if you were doing something bad, it would be like, what would Jesus do? <laughs> Just tell your neighbor, these are the jokes, folks. These are jokes. But um, I, I can imagine how frustrating it would have been for James to be Jesus' half-brother. Can you imagine the pressure? Like, you know, you, you got straight A's in school, and Jesus just turns water into wine. <laughs> And for those that have siblings here, I know you can relate to this. If your sibling is here, don't look at them. But there's always this subtle competition with your siblings. Sometimes they're in competition with you and you don't even know it. And sometimes you're in competition with them and they don't even know it. So I can imagine that for those that are only, only I mean, God bless you. But, <laughs> but that's what happens between siblings. And, you know, I have three. They their life mission is to compete with each other. Who does better in sports? Who does better in school? Who's stronger? Who can do the most push-ups? Like, they're right now in the, in the, who can hit harder? I will fight you. Like, and there's this pressure, man, and especially the middle child. Any middle children in the room? I pray for you every day. <laughs> because my middle child, he has this thing that we can, acknowledging him a hundred times and in the 101st time we acknowledge someone else he says what about me I'm like what about the other a hundred times but anyway so James has this this pressure and this this is this is crazy but James doesn't come to Christ doesn't become a Christian till Jesus dies and resurrects I don't blame him for me to worship my brother <laughs> 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 for me to worship and bow down to my brother, he needs to die and resurrect. And I'll be like, okay, I, you're, 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 you're truly special. <laughs> Not what mama said, but you're truly. He didn't, think about that for a moment. He would reject the word of God when Jesus was on earth. It took for Jesus to die and resurrect for him to come. And you know what? I get you, James. It's true. Think about, would you worship your brother just because? I said, I better see you levitate. I be, right? I better see you turn this thing into, I'll be like, okay, you're Lord. Out. So, but it, it's a testament of the plan of the Lord of his life that 
James became a pastor. So after he saw Jesus as resurrected, he had, see, he was like, okay, all right, this brotherly um, rivalry needs to die. You're truly God, so I'm going to serve you. So James becomes a pastor. And um, I, I want to talk about this subject really quick. I, I, I mean, we've extended our worship time, so I'll, I'll promise to be fast. And I'm going to be talking about on the spot, which is, I believe, the next slide. On the spot, on the spot. And we're going to dive into James, or spot on. James 1, verses 21 through 27. Are you with me? Are you awake now? Yeah, yeah we good? Okay, so therefore, therefore, when, it, when Scripture says therefore, it means that there was something said before that. Right? That was for free. You don't need to pay for that one. <laughs> therefore, get rid of all, and I like this term, moral filth. And the evil that is so prevalent and humbly, everyone say humbly. Everyone say humbly. humbly. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So the word that saves you is the word that's planted, not only the word you hear. I'll say that again. The word that saves you is the word that's planted in you. He says, do not, and he backs me up by saying, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And, and, and I think that many of us listen to a lot. And I said this, I believe, um, yesterday at the, at, the, at the retreat with some of the leaders, is that some of us listen to Pastor Will on Sunday, Furtick on Monday, uh, Mike Todd on Tuesday, Groeschel on Wednesday, um, which is the other guy, Jake's on Thursday, and Franklin on Friday. And you listen, you listen, but if you merely listen, you are deceiving yourself. So we live in a, in a, in a time of, an overload of information. Personally, I believe that there's an overload of preaching. Why? I come from old school, that where you needed to wait till next Sunday to listen to the word from delivered from your pastor. Now when your pastor's preaching, he is, he's already fighting the 18 words you got throughout the week. He's already debating the different theologies you received during the week. I'm going to leave that alone. That's not the message, but, <laughs> well, <laughs> do not merely listen because we can listen. You can, you can have 77 podcasts downloaded on your phone. You can, man, I know people that, like we have a friend in common that has, I always tell them, man, why do you have so much information in you that it's like irrelevant information? Useless information. Like, you know, we'll be at a place and he'll be like, did you know that dogs sleep seven hours a day? <laughs> like, see, so many of us have a lot of information, right? And I can sit with people, man, that know scripture more than me. I sit with people all the time that can tell me. See, my, my dad's grandfather read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation like seven times. And he was not a believer. And, and he'll go into, he'll be like, oh, you remember the descendants of a cop? I'm like, what? When I was, I was like, where? I don't even know that was in scripture. Who's, who's a cop? No, yeah, in Leviticus. I'm like, who reads Leviticus anymore? <laughs> but w w what I'm saying by all this is that information alone is nothing. See, and I'm going to say something that may mess with your theology, but there's, there's context to that. The Bible itself can't do anything for you. 
The Bible alone can't do nothing for you. If there is no application and revelation, they're just words on a book. It's a really good book. Can you agree? It's a, it's a good pattern to follow. It teaches you to be a good father, right? It teaches you to be a good husband. But if there's no application and no revelation, it's just simply a book. So that's why he says don't merely listen to the word and be deceived yourselves. Do what it says. Everyone say, do what it says. I know some people don't want to say that. Everyone's going to say it. One, two, three. Do what it says. <laughs> Anyone who listens to the word but does not do, sorry, what it says is like someone who looks. This is why I have this mirror here. It's not mine. It's borrowed. I'm just going to clear that up. This was the less girly of my options. I heard that there was some options with some like, what is can you imagine? That would have been the picture up on, on social media. With a, <laughs> thank you, Lord, for saving me. Uh, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who just looks his face in the mirror. In other words, I can see what's wrong with me. Not a lot, but I can see. I have bags under my eyes. I'm not using the magnifying side. Uh, there's, 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 there's something that needs to be eliminated from this area. I have something in my teeth, but that does nothing to me. Is it going away? No. It's, it, does, it does nothing to me without application. And after looking at, it, at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. In other words, if you don't put the word of God into practice, you would forget what you just read. Yes. And I think that many of us can't retain scripture because we don't practice scripture. Yeah. Yeah. See, the Bible truly comes alive when you read it the right way, but it becomes life in your life when you're, when you're walking in scripture. Yeah. You can read about diets in a book. You can have all the books on diet. Hey, how many are parents here? You can read all the parenting books you want. Up and down. But nothing prepares you until they start crying at 2 in the morning. Those first six, seven days that you wish that you can just send them back where they came from. <laughs> Any witnesses in the room? Don't worry, your kids are not here. No matter. <laughs> but, but it doesn't prepare you for the real thing, right? Uh, right? That's like school. You go and get a degree, right? And you listen and you read all these beautiful things and you go get your bachelor's, but nothing prepares you for corporate America. It doesn't matter how much you read it in a book until you have to, if you're H, until you have to actually fire somebody. Like I, and use the term I, li I like to use, we're going to let you go and be successful somewhere else. They'll be like, thank you. Then after they're like, you fired me. <laughs> But whoever looks intently with intention, right, into the perfect law that gives freedom. This is so powerful. See, the law of God, the commandments are not to restrain you, but to give you freedom. Yeah, yeah. See, scripture is not to stop you from doing things. Scripture is to fence you and tell you this is where you can play. It's to, it's to protect you. It's the perfect law that gives you freedom. In other words, when I come to Christ, 
I don't put shackles on. Now I have freedom and I know what I can do and what I can't do. Does that make sense to you? That's what, that's what the perfect law does. And it continues in it, and it continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The blessing is in doing. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is what? Worthless. Worthless. 27, I believe I have. There's a powerful verse right here. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look at after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being what? This is a strong word. From being polluted by the world. In other words, I am in it, but I am not from it. I am in it, but I am not polluted by it. See, the Lord doesn't want to, rem want to remove you from the world. That's incorrect theology. The Lord wants to keep you in the world because in order for you to be light, you need to be light in the middle of darkness. See, you don't need to be light in here. We don't need you to be light here. Everyone is light here. Can you be light at your workplace? Can you be light with your family members? Can you be light when somebody cuts you off in the palmetto? Can you, can you not be a religious folk? Because religious folk know a lot of scripture but have no application. See, can you truly walk out what you already know? And I was sharing this morning, I have a friend that told me, Will, in this season of my life, you know, I'm moving on because I'm in a constant pursuit of truth. I was like, okay, God bless you. But be careful that in that pursuit of truth, you forget to live out the truth that you already know. There's people that are addicted to information. Whoa, was it really a, a, a whale that swallowed Jonah? I don't care. Was it really? Uh, that's not for me to know. If I want to please God, I have to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and keep myself from being polluted. Every additional information, I'm not going to distress myself on that. See, and I think that some of us many times will have all this injection of information and we're like, hey, listen, I'm valuing my options and I'm looking at it. And Lord is like, but what are you doing? I know what you're saying, and I know you have big words, and, and, and some of us even with a, man, I believe that we should be doing this in church. And be, I was like, okay, perfect. When do you start? No, pastor, I didn't mean that. I'm like, people will sit with me, pastor, I believe, and I was like, perfect, you're going to start it. They'll be like, no, 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 I didn't mean all that. I, I was like, so you're saying, but you're not doing, and we have two options when we, when the revelation of the Lord comes through his word is that we can accept it with humility or we can reject it. I like the amplified version that says, welcome the word of God. Are you, do you welcome the word of God? And when we welcome the word of God, what we're saying is, Lord, I'm allowing you to put a finger on that spot, on that thing that hurts, because the word of God comes to encourage us, but also comes to convict us. 
And Pastor Marianne shared this a long time ago, and it stuck with me. It said that most of us obey the parts of Scripture that we like. We obey the parts of Scripture that fit into our agenda, but those that don't fit, we find an excuse for it. See, I know when someone doesn't want to be a giver, when they start talking about, well, is it New Testament? Is it Old Testament? I'm like, I already know. In Spanish, there's a phrase that says, el que quiere busca la manera, y el que no quiere busca una excusa. In English would be, he who wants finds a way, and he doesn't want will find an excuse. That's pretty much, pretty much it. We would read scripture, and the parts that start convicting us were like, let me skip over that. I don't understand the theology behind that. You do. <laughs> but we don't, we don't want to hear the parts that confront us, but scripture just said that we need to welcome the word of God. And if you want change in your life that sticks, you need to receive the implanted word of God. What does that mean, pastor? The word of God needs to grow some roots in you. And the way the Word of God re, uh, grows some roots is two ways, by diving into the Word of God, but by walking in the Word of God. And I speak to people all the time, and I, Pastor, I'm struggling, I'm going through this. I ask them two questions. Number one, how's your prayer life? And number two, how's your devotional life in Scripture? Oh, Pastor, you know, okay, well, there's your answer. I'm not saying we're not going to go through valleys, because to be honest, in this Christian walk, there's more valleys than mountaintops. You just have to be here long enough to understand that. There's going to be more valleys than top of the mountain moments. But you know what? When you've put enough investment in scripture, you know where to go when the valleys come. See, if, if we don't have enough put in, we don't know what to do when the moment comes. And I, I, and I feel this heaviness that some of us are expecting the Lord to open up the heavens and send a lightning and send, and, and send this miracle dove, and, and he could do it. But if you read scripture, usually he does it through repetition. I know that's not going to get an out of amens, but I'm good with that. I'm, I prepare for that. <laughs> See, we want God to jump into our situation. Hey, fix my husband. I went two times to church, and the Lord's like, hmm, it's going to take a little bit more effort than that. Lord, I woke up today and prayed. He's like, that's good. Do it tomorrow. And I said last Sunday that sometimes you will pray for 50 times straight and nothing happens. And then on that 51st time, the Lord opens up the heavens and does it. It wasn't that 51st time. It was the pattern of healthy habits create. Remember that? Healthy habits create space for moments of glory. The, the repetition of doing it over and over again, even when I don't feel it. Today we had a moment of breakthrough in worship, right? But how many times we go, we come to worship and nothing happens. But you know what? We stand there, the worship team prepares, and they sing, and they do it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, because one day is going to break. Can you imagine after two Sundays, we're like, oh, people are not responding to worship. Guess what? We're going to put a CD. We're going to sit down. No, but they press on. They press on. They do it over and over. When there's 10 people, when there's 60 people, when there's three people. Because that's what a sacrifice of praise is. Meaning that when I don't feel it, you still deserve it. See, you train your body. So when, when you train your body for worship, it doesn't matter where you are. It's like automatically. Like we've been in rooms that. 
Like nobody, one of those that nobody lifts their hand, nobody says amen. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't care because I just need that first chord. And, that first, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm 6'2", I'm so if you want to sit in front of me. But it's the, it's the repetition. And I encourage you. Some of you have perfect attendance in 2020. <laughs> I'm going to let that land. <laughs> I encourage you to, to press on. Is it going to feel good all the time? No. Sometimes, hey, sometimes it's going to feel that this may not even be the place for you. It's going to feel bad sometimes. But it's in the repetition. It's in the applying the word of God. It's saying, hey, listen, this is where I'm planted. This is, this is where the Lord brought me. This is where I would flourish. And we can see that. Um, I'll go into that. But number one, my point, I, I got to move on. Sorry, guys. Number one is stay put. Stay put. Tell your neighbor, stay put. Psalms 19, 7 and 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, so if it's perfect, it refreshes the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making, the wise, making wise the simple. In other words, you can be common folk. The word of God makes you wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light into the eyes. Psalms 92.13 says, Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of God. My question to you today is, are you planted? See, because if we were to look back at our lives, and we would look at the best times in our Christian walk, I can guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt, those were the days that you were planted in the house of the Lord. I can guarantee that your best days in your Christian walk were the days that you didn't lose focus. What he said, what she said, I am planted. Are you planted? That's my question. Are you planted? Because those that are planted can flourish. Remember what we read in James 1. It said that we need to receive the implanted or the planted word of God. In other words, the blessing comes when you're planted. See, and, and I think that, and, and I said this before, the enemy doesn't have the power to defeat you. The only thing the enemy can do is distract you. And I'll prove it to you. In your marriage, when you get distracted, when you start believing that something else is out there and that you're missing out on something you should have taken advantage of, you, you lose focus. You don't have to say amen because I know you may be sitting next to your spouse. That's cool. You're doing good at your church. You're serving. You're planted. You're growing. Once you lose focus and that feeling starts settling in, in your heart, that there, the grass may be greener on the other side, that there may be missing out on something, you're no longer planted. And I think that if we're going to grow in our Christian walk, we have to be planted in all of our areas of our lives. See, be planted in your marriage. Be planted in your singleness. Be planted as a parent. Be planted in your calling. Say, hey, listen, 
The blessing is in repetition. The blessing is I'm going to stick it through even if it don't look good. Because at the end, and I can tell you this by a personal testimony of me, my family, my siblings, my parents, at the end of the day, it's worth it. At the end of the day, when the dust settles and people do all their running around and all the jumping and down, and when you start tallying up, multiplying, dividing, adding, it's worth it for you and for your family. Those that are parents, get your kids in the house of the Lord. Amen. Get your kids. Force them. Yeah, I said it. Pastor said it. Pastor said force them. Force them to come. I am a testimony of someone that was forced. I was forced into the kingdom of the Lord. My mom would wait for me at all times of the night and slap me with some oil. It doesn't matter if I was drunk, high. It don't matter if I just came from a, a beat down that they gave me. My mom would be like, where's the oils over there? You're going to be a pastor. You're going to be, I'm going to pray for you. And at the moment, it didn't seem like it. And take a look at me now. <laughs> Planted. You got to stick it through, man. I don't know if you're watching the news, but 2020 came with a... <laughs> 2020 came with some steroids on. Like, 2020, we're like 10 days, 11, 12, whatever it is, days in. And it does this, at this pace, 300 plus more days, can we really survive? And I was praying, and I really felt that the Lord was telling me to tell our people that we need to be planted during this time more than ever. Things are going to happen. Uh, uncertainty is going to sink in. Financial instability is going to shake in with the different things that are happening in the world. Deaths, earthquakes, you're seeing this, wildfires all over the place. The people that truly rely on God, what is going to be your response? Are we going to pray this thing through? Are we going to say, hey, no, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if Aaliyah catches fire. It doesn't matter if this country is going, if we're going into war. We're going into spiritual war. We're planted in the house of the Lord. See, when you're planted, you know where your roots are. You know where home is. And if you want to see the benefits of, of the Lord, you got to be planted. Psalms, I'm sorry, number two, put it into practice. Put it into practice. What was number one? Stay put. Number two, put it into practice. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Very simple. Do. I wasn't very creative with number two. I just took it right from scripture. Do. There's not. I wish I could tell you there was some shortcut or some magic potion that you can just. It's about doing it. It's about doing it. And um, Psalms 19.11 says, By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is, there is great reward. And I think that for many of us there's a disconnect between what we know and what we do. And some of us are just getting, listen to me clearly, spiritually fat. I'm not too... <laughs> And what I mean by that, there's so much word in us. We can quote scripture. We can 
Oh, we can. Oh, that podcast? Yeah, I heard. I downloaded it. I have all episodes here. And we have so much word in us, but there's not a lot of practice. It's not a lot of practice. We went to school. We have a lot of theory. We have a lot of books. But very little practice. And uh, it says that we need to put it into practice. Tell your neighbor, put it into practice. I need to see you practicing, honey. <laughs> put it into practice. Matthew 7, 24 says, therefore, everyone say therefore. therefore. Now remember what that meant, that there was something before that. You might want to read chapter 7. It's really good, chapter 7 of Matthew. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. In other words, this only applies to them that put it into practice. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. In other words, when I put the word of God into practice, I built my house on the rock, which means that the wind may come, the storm may come, but my house is built upon the rock. And some of us build our house in different places. Some of us haven't been too much on land and we don't even know how to build. We put our house, we build our house on status, on work, on feelings. Guess what happens when the wind comes? It's going to blow it away. Haven't you noticed that very little percentage of people stick around in anything? Not only church, anything. It's hard to stick it through. Look at the numbers in marriage. See, because what society tells you is that if you don't like it, you can get out. But what the Lord says is that it's a covenant between three people. <laughs> when you enter into the covenant of marriage, you're saying, Lord, we're honoring you as we honor each other. So it may suck. It may have things, but I'm going to work this thing and I'm going to walk this thing out. Can I get some help on this end? Because I'm not. <laughs> Thank you. See, and my church may go, and when I say my church, is just any church, my church when I'm here, may go through these different seasons, but this is where I'm planted. This is where the Lord has called me to be. And I'm going to stick this thing through because this is the calling that he has over my life. I'm planted. See, when you're planted, in order to uproot you, it's a process. When you're not planted, I can, you're movable. <laughs> you're like, I can bring you from here, from here. But when you're planted in somewhere, they need to bring, I don't even know how to say it, la pala mecanica. What? They, they need to bring a bulldozer. They, they need to bring... They need to bring all kinds of equipment to uproot you because you're planted. Does that sound, does that resonate to somebody? See, because when you're planted, you're like, man, it's feeling uneasy. But man, I'm planted. The winds come. I mean, let me not do so much of this. I don't want to fall over, but, you know, the winds come and, but you're planted. In 2020, I'm praying for planted people, not only here, but planted in, in what the Lord has called you to do. If the Lord has given you an idea for a business, go for it, but stay planted in it. It's gonna be, you're going to have ups and downs, but stay planted. If the Lord has given you a word on something, hey, listen, 
you need to see, according to experts, at least you got to let seven to eight years pass by on, until you start seeing results on some things. People want seven hours or seven weeks. You want to see the results of something? Keep at it. Like, for example, my boys are still young, and I don't want, you guys have no idea through the sabbatical how hard it was to keep them at home. Because for them, this is where they're at. So it'll be Sunday, it'll be like, Papi, what do you mean we're not going to church? Well, like, let me explain. And we're like, well, we're going to visit another church that we're called either to, pa uh, to preach or, he said, and not New Vision? Papi, we're on a sabbatical because there's something attached to planting. And when you're planted somewhere, it doesn't matter where you're planted, that's where your roots are. So where are you building your house? Where are you building your house? Is it on flimsy ground or is it in the house of the Lord on the rock? Number three. You just got to put a lid on it. Verse 19. My dearest brothers <laughs> and sisters, take this to heart. In other words, this is serious business. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and be slow to become angry. Woo. I can close the message right here. Oh, Pastor, that word's not for me. That word's for my husband. No, this word's for you. <laughs> this word's for my coworker. This word's for my ministry leader. No, 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 this word is for you. Sometimes we got to put a lid on it. And the reason why we got to put a lid on it, next, next um, which is Proverbs 10, 19. See, <laughs> I love this version. If you keep talking, <laughs> this, is, this is what written by, by King Solomon. He was the wisest man to ever live. He says, if you keep talking, it won't be too long before you're saying something that you're really wrong. My dad says, if you want to know somebody, you want to know about their life, let them talk. Some of us got to put a lid on it. Ouch. If you keep talking, <laughs> it won't be too long, I love this verse, before you're saying something really wrong. Prove you are wise from the very start. Just bite your tongue and be strong. A sign of a mature believer is when you bite your tongue knowing you have the right answer and the right reason. Knowing that you can defend yourself, but you choose not to. Ooh, ooh, ooh. See, there's a difference between meekness and weakness. Similar, they sound the same, but they're not the same. See, when, when, you, when there's meekness in your heart, <laughs> because of the greater good of the kingdom, you know the story. You know what really happened. You know that what they're saying is not true. But you know what? You bite your tongue and be strong because you need to be strong to not explode. Doesn't it suck sometimes that you have the truth and just because you want the greater good of the kingdom, you got to keep your mouth shut? When you know 
that, man, if I ever open up this mouth, sometimes I'm like, Marianne, I, I vent, obviously. I'm like, Marianne, that person is speaking about me, but, but do, did they get Alzheimer's? Don't they remember that I know everything? That you will sit on my couch week after week and unload and me pray, pray over you and heal you and, and pray for healing and God and walk you through deliverance and not you? You forgot? What are you talking about? Eh. Bite my tongue and be strong. Bite my tongue and you know, open up that. Facebook will tell you what's on your mind. I'm like, I'm going to let you know what's on my mind. <laughs> That's the wrong thing Facebook should say. It, it shouldn't be saying because we don't need to hear what's on people's mind all the time. But you bite your tongue and be strong. The Bible says that the Lord will fight our battles. See, meekness is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of maturity. Yeah. It's a sign of saying, hey, listen, I know what you're saying. I know what he said, she said, but they don't matter. Yeah. Make sure you evaluate the right they. Yeah. Not every day matters. Right. Not day, but every they <laughs> doesn't matter. Make sure you value the right they. And the last one. And I'll get you out of here. Is just put yourself out there. This is my last, my next slide. Put yourself out there. James 1.27, next verse. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted. From being polluted by, by the world. And... How many of us truly put ourselves out there? I know it's uncomfortable. I know some of us are introverts. I know some of us dislike attention or the spotlight. But what are you doing for others? See, scripture starts to take a different light in your life when you start applying it not only to your life but to others. When you start walking like Jesus and you start executing what Jesus executed, your life takes a different dimension. I always tell people that if you feel bored in your life, let me know, because I got some people you can work with that are going to eliminate that boredom, <laughs> that boredom from your life. When you start pouring yourself onto others, you start living out purpose. And I think that many times we're so engulfed in what we need and what we want and my prayers and God, you're not answering me. And, and that become, we get blinded to our little narrow world and we forget about opportunities we get to love other people around us because we're so focused on me, me, me. Anybody guilty of that? I've come to understand that sometimes the Lord doesn't want to answer our prayers because not because he doesn't love us, because it's because he wants us to get out of ourselves and start praying for someone else. Hasn't it happened to you that you're praying for someone's marriage when your marriage is falling apart? <laughs> I'll go over here, man. Doesn't it suck that sometimes God is calling you to pray for healing for someone when your body needs healing? Let me see if this side wants to respond. <laughs> Doesn't it suck when the Lord calls you to bless someone when you need financial blessing? Yeah. 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 
The Lord be playing like that. <laughs> the reason he does that is to mold your character. For us to truly understand that it's really not about us. The Bible says that he will supply every need according to his riches and glory. So whatever you need, he knows. And some of us have this repeated prayer, prayer, Lord, you know I need, you know I need. And Lord is like, I got you, but can you pray for somebody else? Can you serve somebody else? Have I not shown you that I can be faithful to you? Someone else needs your prayers. Someone else needs you to stand in the gap for them. And it's happened in my life. I don't know if it's happened in yours. When you said, okay, Lord, let me... Let me not continue to nag you with this. Let me focus on my brother and sister. God starts working in your life. And he may not answer the prayer, but the thing that you really thought you needed, when you look at someone else's need and what they're going through, you're like, oh, man. God, you can scratch that. This is not even so bad. When some people tell you their problems, their real problems, Real life and death situations, you start looking at your list and you're like, uh, <laughs> Pastor, you said, I'm good. I think I'm good. That's why the example is orphans and widows, people that are going through real life situations. See, when you start encountering people really struggling with things, you look at your prayer list and you're like, God, I'm sorry. Some of us are praying for financial breakthrough when you are already blessed. Yeah. See, I shared something on Facebook yesterday that I felt heavy in my heart. God, I mean, Satan te tempted Adam and Eve by reminding them what they couldn't have. Right? Because the Lord said you can have all of this, but you can't have. He reminded them what they couldn't have. And in the same way, some of us have a spirit. I, I, I want to call it a spirit because I feel it's a spirit. We have the spirit that we're missing out. It sounds like a bad word. It's not a bad word, but FOMO. I'm sorry. Fear of missing out. That's what it stands for. Right? And some of us are feeling that we're missing out, that we missed out on our younger years, that we're not with the right mate, that we made decisions ahead of time, that we had kids before we should have had kids. And that feeling is, is, is tearing you up, and you're feeling that you're missing out. And the Lord is saying, you are blessed right now. Can Just look around you. For those that are thinking that they have kids ahead of time, there's people around you that can't have kids. For those that are feeling, oh, I got married too early, there's people that are still in their late 40s looking for a mate. And you get to live out God's purpose early? What's wrong with that? You get to walk into the fullness of what God called you to do at your early years. You should say, hallelujah, that I didn't burn myself with 20 others. The problem is that we view things from an earthly perspective and not an eternal perspective. See, God's plan over your life goes beyond what you can see. It's eternity. So when you enter, for example, in, in marriage, in the covenant, somebody, I am raising kids that are going to raise other people for the kingdom. See, my union didn't come out of just simple love. My union came out of purpose. 
Because out of my seed, the Lord is going to multiply what he's going to do through them more than what he did through us. And I'm using that because that's my life example, but that applies to you too. And I think that we're, we're viewing this, this society, man, you got to pray for this world. And I see some of you struggling, trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to keep up with culture, trying to keep up with, you're not, you shouldn't abide by that pattern. So what? Celebrate they bought a house. Celebrate if they bought a car. Celebrate if they, the Lord is giving you your race to run. And he's blessing you right where you are. You don't need another mate. You don't need another job. You don't need a, you are right where you need to be. And you need to be content with what the Lord has given you now. I feel like some of us can't even appreciate. Like, what was the last time you sat down and you looked at your kids? Or you looked at your job and you're like, I don't deserve this. I have more than what I need. But we're going and we're going and we're going. And, and the hustle and the bustle and the, oh, and get mine and. And we're looking, oh, we're feeling like failures. And we're feeling like, and the Lord is saying, no, 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 no. You are my child. You're right where you need to be in the purpose that I have called you. You're not missing out on anything. And this is a word for someone in this room today that's feeling maybe that life is passing you by. And, and the, don't believe the lie of the enemy for one moment. You're right where you need to be in the time that you need to be. You're not missing out on anything. You're walking in the purpose that the Lord has called you to walk into. And when we start running other people's races, we get tired because it's not our pace. We try to keep up, but we can't. Or we try to slow down, and we can't. Just like this mirror. We look at ourselves every day, some of us more than others. And we see what's wrong point out the things that are wrong but we're not putting it into practice and sometimes the enemy's winning the battle because we're distracted it's not that we're powerless it's that we're distracted can you focus can you have pardon the cliche but 2020 vision can you pinpoint what the Lord has called you to do and say, I am not listening to nothing else. This is the race for me. This is the race for my family. This is the race for my calling. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm planting. planted. I appreciate your opinion. I appreciate that you appreciate me. But this is what the word of God says, and I'm sticking with this, and I'm running my race. And I am planted in the house of the Lord. See, because those that have the opinion don't have the giftedness to plant you. Typically, those that have opinions are not planted themselves. I'll leave that one alone. I'm just going by what Scripture says. So you want to fight, fight with God. Those that are planted are those that flourish. If you want to see a different outcome, you got to start doing different things. And I think that like I said last year, and I closed, not, not last year, last Sunday, and I closed with this. I totally scratched my prayer list for 2020. Because 2019, I aimed too low. And I shared this with the group yesterday. 
If it's something you can do, it's not a vision, it's a project. You need, to do, you need to ask God for something so big that you can't do it. If you could do it, it's not a vision. It's a project. You just haven't gotten to it. And I looked at my 2019 list and I'm like, man, if I would have focused a lot of these things, obviously the Lord gives us breath and, and I get all that. But a lot of these things, I could have done it on my own. I just would have focused. I would have lost the weight. I would have focused. I would have done this. I would, but we need to move to prayers that if the Lord answers, there is no doubt in no one's mind. Even the ones that the scripture says, the ones that don't believe, just like the lame man, had to come out and say, I know who this guy is. He used to be calling by his label. The lame man at the beautiful gate. So this afternoon, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> See, it's not, a, it's not a magical formula. I wish I could tell you. It's every day diving into scripture and putting it into practice. That's what it boils down to. You do it, you do it, and you do it until God does it.